If you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is A Crazy Command and a Captured Cult. A Crazy Command and a Captured Cult. Uh, this has to be one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Uh, quite amazing what we're going to look at tonight, and it's rich in truth. Uh, so looking forward to seeing how God speaks to us. But we're here in Luke chapter 19, and let's read together responsively. Uh, we'll read verses 28 through 35. I'll begin in verse 28. If you can read verse 29, so on and so forth, all the way through verse 35. The Bible says, Luke 19, 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him, and bring him hither. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And they said, The Lord hath need of him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege to open your holy word and to hear directly from you. And Lord, anytime we get to look at the life of the Lord Jesus uh, and hear from him and see how he did things, Lord, it's a it's an exciting adventure, and tonight we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to understand and the will to obey. And Father, I pray that you would help my feeble tongue, uh, help my mind, uh, Lord, that I would be in tune with your Holy Spirit, and I pray that he would speak to us uh, from your word this evening. Uh, Lord, please help us now. We need your help to, to speak and to hear. Uh, so please help us in these next few moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the movements of this story, uh, the first header that I'll give you for your notes is Onward Christ Went. Onward Christ Went. Notice verse 28. The Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Now, the Lord Jesus, uh, in Luke 9, 51, the Bible tells us, it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, received up to the Father. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That was back in chapter 9 of Luke. Here we are all the way in Luke chapter 19, and the Lord Jesus' purpose hasn't changed. His goal of getting to Jerusalem, where he will die on the cross for our sins, is still the same. He's going before, ascending up to Jerusalem. But I want you to notice how the Holy Spirit points out the timing of this final ascent. He's been headed toward Jerusalem for some time, but now he's making the final approach. And notice at the beginning of verse 28, the Bible says, When he had thus spoken, he went before. 
ascending up to Jerusalem. And so his uh, ascent to Jerusalem for the, for the final time, the Holy Spirit wants us to see it in connection with what preceded this verse, with what the Lord Jesus had just said. If you look in the, the passage preceding, remember, we, we looked at Zacchaeus. And, and there in verse 10, the Lord had said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is my purpose. That is why I'm going to Jerusalem, to die for the sins of the world, so that I can be all men's savior. And then we saw that he, he gave this uh, parable about stewardship, and he explained to people who thought the kingdom was immediately going to appear that, hold up, the nation is not ready for a kingdom. Uh, the nation at large has rejected me as Messiah, and so the kingdom is going to be postponed. And I'm going to give a stewardship over to my disciples and tell them to occupy till I come. And then one day I'm going to return and avenge my enemies. So in light of all of that, then it says the Lord Jesus ascended up to Jerusalem. Now, what do we learn uh, from these words, from this verse, verse 28? Well, number one, as we're seeing that onward Christ went, number one, Christ expected the fulfillment of the word. Christ expected the fulfillment of the word. He had just told them, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He had predicted, I'm going to be rejected. Uh, my enemies who, who hate me, they're going to say, we will not have this king to reign over us. And so as he goes onward to Jerusalem, he is expecting that the very words that he has just said are going to be fulfilled. And what I want you to see, Christian, tonight, with how the Lord Jesus operated, is that his word, he, he's the word of God, uh, he, he speaks on God's behalf, his word always paved the way for him. His actions were never at random. They were never haphazard. They were always according to God's preconceived plan and what he had said was going to happen. And so God says something's going to happen, and then it happens. Uh, I like Acts 15, verse 18, where James is speaking to, to those gathered in Jerusalem, and he says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God knows what's going to happen, and then as it says in Isaiah 46, 10, God declares the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He says, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. And if you look at our text, so the Lord Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, expecting that his word is going to be, be fulfilled. And notice verse 29, these words, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. You know that phrase is found in our uh, English Bible over 2,400 times. It came to pass. And it's no accident that the Holy Spirit chose to employ that phrase here. Uh, because I want you to see the connection. Verse 28, when he had thus spoken. Then verse 29, and it came to pass. The Lord Jesus says something's going to happen, and then it's guaranteed to come to pass. 
And this phrase and this little story we're looking at tonight, then especially this phrase, it came to pass. You know what that reminds us of? That there is a sovereignty over every event. You know why the Lord Jesus could expect that God's word would be fulfilled? Because there is a sovereignty over every event. Nothing in our world happens by accident. Nothing happens and God goes, oops, wasn't planning on that. God is sovereign. And what he has decreed will certainly come to pass. It's guaranteed. And that is why Christ had this settled disposition, this settled determination to, to go to Jerusalem and to die because he knew that all that God had said would happen would certainly come to pass. And here in verse 29, these, these locations are, are little examples of how what God says always comes to pass. Bethphage, that's where the disciples are going to go into a village and get a cult. And we're going to see later on in this message that what Christ told them came to pass in Bethphage. In Bethany, you'll remember there that the Lord Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And you'll also remember that earlier in Luke, in Luke 16, 31, when, when Christ is giving the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, remember those words he said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. So Christ had made that prediction. Then he literally raises a Lazarus from the dead. And exactly like he had said, even though one rose from the dead, uh, his detractors, his enemies would not be persuaded. So Bethphage, what the Lord Jesus said, it came to pass. Bethany, uh, he had predicted that, hey, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't be convinced. And then the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives. Now, this is a very uh, notable place in Scripture, notable in prophecy. And in Zechariah 14, Zechariah had predicted under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Messiah, the, the Lord himself, would come to the Mount of Olives and vanquish his enemies in Jerusalem. And so perhaps that's what the disciples had on their minds as Christ is approaching the Mount of Olives. But you know what else Zechariah had predicted? In Zechariah 9.9, it said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the full of an ass. So the Lord Jesus, he's headed to Jerusalem, expectant that the word of God is going to be fulfilled. And that prophecy from hundreds of years earlier was about to be fulfilled. And so Christ has this expectation and 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 we see it here uh given to us in these words it came to pass and you know what else this phrase reminds us of not only that there is a sovereignty over every event but it reminds us of the swiftness of our earthly existence you know this phrase it came to pass it it it's brilliant it's from the mind of god because it, it, it reminds us that with every event, every event comes to pass. It, it comes, we experience it, and then it's over. And, and it's really a picture of our lives, which are like a vapor that appear for a little time. They're come to pass. And the Lord Jesus had this confidence headed toward Jerusalem because he knew that everything he was going to experience in Jerusalem 
and outside Jerusalem being crucified, it was come to pass. Yes, it would be painful, but it would pass, and Christ saw the glory beyond that. And for us Christians, we need to be reminded that every situation in our lives has come to pass. This too shall pass. And Romans 8 verse 18, the Bible says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And you know the same confidence with, with which the Lord Jesus lived life, knowing that all of what his father had said would come to pass, that same confidence can be lived in the life of every believer. Because we've been given this same book, and God's never failed his promises, he's never failed his word, and we, like the Lord Jesus, can expect for the word to be fulfilled. But not only did the Lord Jesus expect the fulfillment of the word, he exemplified faithfulness to the word. Look in verse 28. When he had thus spoken, he went before. He went before. So the text says he, he went on ahead. He, he went in front of uh, the disciples. That's probably what it's referring to. There's no hesitation in the Lord Jesus. He's leading. He, he's going onward. And it says he goes before. And you know, I love that about the Lord Jesus. When he gives us commands or when he tells us to live a certain way, he's telling us from a, from a place of leadership and example. He, he's gone where we need to go. And that's why in Hebrews 6 verse 20, Christ is referred to as the forerunner who, who's gone before us, who's run before, who's conquered our enemies, who's walked where we're going to walk, and he's gained victory. And we simply have the privilege of following him. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. He's leading the way. He, he's setting the example of, of faithfulness to the word of God. But thirdly, we see in this verse about the Lord Jesus that he embraced the fatality of the word. It says, ascending up to Jerusalem. And he knew what to expect in Jerusalem. He knew that his life was going to be taken from him in Jerusalem. And if we are going to follow his example and we are going to live a life of obedience to God's word, we're going to have to acknowledge up front that it's going to cost us something. Luke 9, 23, Christ said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's a, there's a fatality to the word of God. If you're going to obey this book, it's going to hurt. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says the word of God is quick. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Christian, if you haven't been hurting recently, then you probably haven't been in the Bible like you should be. Because it's going to hurt. There, there's a fatality to it. It, it, it kills some of our, our selfish dreams. It, it kills our selfish lusts. Uh, there's a cost to obeying the word. And I wonder how many of us, I, I think of the, the song, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? And this is how it goes. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? 
And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? I wonder with gospel and goodies if we've held back from reaching out to people uh, because we fear to own Christ's cause. We fear the, the consequences of being obedient to the Great Commission. We blush to speak Christ's name. I wonder. But then the second verse, I believe this is where a lot of Christians live. Must I be born to paradise or heaven on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? You know, there are a lot of Christians in our world today, and that's how they're expecting to get to heaven. On flowery beds of ease with no cost, with no sacrifice, with no pain. Oh, I received Christ as my Savior. I got my ticket to heaven. That's it. And, and they've totally missed that there's a fatality. There's a pain that comes from following the Lord Jesus. And he set the example for us, ascending up to Jerusalem, confident that God's word would be fulfilled. So we've seen in this passage, onward Christ went, knowing full well all there was to befall him in Jerusalem. But then next in this passage, we see the disciples were sent. The disciples were sent. Notice, verse 29. It came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. I want you to understand the, the Lord Jesus here, he, he's giving these two disciples a mission, uh, an important task. And, and there's a few things we see about this mission. Number one, it was not for an individual. It was not for an individual. Notice it says he sent two of his disciples. And Christian, we've got to understand this biblical principle uh, that there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Uh, there's no such thing as uh, being able to have a successful and vibrant Christian life and do it on your own. We need each other. And when you read the gospel record and you read how the Lord Jesus worked with his disciples and he sent them on missions, they were always working in groups of at least two. And when you read the Gospels and you find the disciples operating as individuals, it doesn't end well. Think of Judas, the night that he betrayed the Lord, alone. Doing something that he would regret so badly that he would end up taking his life. I wonder what it would have been like if Judas had held himself accountable one of the other disciples. Think of Peter. The night of the crucifixion, we see him denying the Lord, and he's on his own. And so the Lord Jesus had these men work in pairs, and it's a good reminder for us, we can't make it in the Christian life alone. We need each other. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. And that is why it's so important when we come to church that we don't just come, sit down, sing the songs, take notes, and then leave. We have a responsibility to the body of Christ to encourage and build up others. And there's someone here tonight that needs your encouragement, that needs your prayers. And the mission that we have been given from the Lord Jesus cannot be accomplished by individuals working on their own. But notice also this mission that he gave them was not for the immobile. So it wasn't just for an individual and it wasn't for the immobile. Notice verse 30. He said, go ye into the village. These men, in order to obey the Lord, had to move. They had to get going. They had to go from point A 
to point B. There had to be some movement. And I'm afraid not only do we have a host of Christians expecting to arrive at the pearly gates on flowery beds of ease, but we've also got a lot of believers who expect that they can live the Christian life without any movement. With the same routine constantly, with no changes being made to conform to the Lord Jesus. And may I remind you, when you read the New Testament, the Christian life is always onward and forward and upward. It's never stagnant. And if you and I aren't moving in in the direction that the Lord Jesus is leading us, then we're backsliding. If we're not growing, uh, we're shrinking spiritually. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 tells us, Beloved, be steadfast, unmovable. And that doesn't mean being stationary. That means not moving from the truths of God's word. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I wonder if we examine our lives, are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Is there movement? Is there onward, upward, forward in our lives? This mission, it wasn't for the individual. It wasn't for the immobile. And number three, it was not without instructions. It was not without instructions. The Lord Jesus, he's giving them this mission to go get this colt. And he gives them very specific instructions. Notice verse 30. Go ye into the village over against you. In the which ye are entering, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And he, he, he goes further in giving them these instructions. I want you to see that the Lord Jesus, he told these men where to go. They didn't have to wonder where the destination was. He said very clearly, go ye into the village. Then he told them what they would find. When you're entering, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. And then he told them how to accomplish the task. Now, I want you to imagine, we can get so familiar with these stories that we miss the the gravity of it. Imagine for a moment that this is our present day and the Lord Jesus came to one of us and said, or two of us and said, I want you to go to Edmonds Park. And imagine it's the summer because right now no one's at the park. I want you to go to Edmonds Park. There's a group of people playing basketball. And I want you to go up to a bike chained to the fence and unlock it. The code is 777. Unlock it, take the bike and bring it to me. And so you go to Evans Park and you're, you're, you're trying to obey the Lord and then you're unlocking this bike that's not yours and then someone playing the court says, hey, what are you doing? Well, that's exactly what happened here. Exactly what happened here, except it's with a cold. But the Lord Jesus gave them specific instructions and told them how they were going to accomplish the task. Notice he tells them how they're going to obtain the cold. Loose him and bring him hither. He didn't say cut the rope. Uh, He said loose him and bring him hither. And you know the Lord Jesus in our lives tells us how we are to live. And he gives us some some catch-all statements in scripture. And here would be a good one to commit to memory, Christian. For how we are to live our lives. We are not without instructions in our daily life. And here's an instruction that we can obey every single day and be in the Lord's will. Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. 
you know, if we took that command seriously and that's how we approached life, that's how we approached fulfilling our mission for Lord every day, whatsoever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That covers a lot right there. And we as believers, we're not without instruction in this life. If we just choose to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his glory and giving thanks while we're doing it, that's going to keep us in the center of God's will. We're not without instruction. But the Lord didn't just tell them how to obtain the cult. He told them how to overcome conflict. He said, if any man ask you, why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. The Lord anticipated there would be conflict, that this would be awkward, that they're basically, it looks like they're stealing. And so he knew that they would have to deal with some conflict. And God has sent us on a mission on this earth, and he has told us beforehand there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some setbacks. It's going to be difficult, but we're not without instruction about how to get the victory. Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. You want to overcome conflict, spiritual conflict in your daily life? Be strong in the Lord. Put on the armor of God. Keep on the belt of truth. Christian, we are not without instruction. God has told us everything we need to do to live a life pleasing to him. But I want you to notice from this text, yes, the Lord Jesus told these men where to go. He told them what they would find. He told them how to go about the task, how to obtain the cult, how to overcome conflict. But you know what the Lord Jesus did not do? He did not take time to sit them down and explain to him why he was asking them to do this. He simply told them to go loose this cult and bring him hither. And so as we're looking at this story we've seen onward christ went the disciples were sent but notice they didn't know what it all meant they didn't know what it all meant in john 12 we, we get an interesting sidelight uh from the apostle john and perhaps he was one of the two disciples that were sent and we're told that after the lord has entered jerusalem and there's all this hubbub and all the the cheering this is what john confesses in John 12, verse 14, these things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Christian, there are times in our lives where God gives us a command and we don't understand why. And it doesn't make sense to us. But it's in those times that we're going to have to trust in his wisdom and trust in his perfect will and obey even when we don't understand. Picture yourself being this disciple. This is bizarre. We're going to walk into this town. We don't even know any of these people. We're going to walk up to the, the first house we see where this young colt, uh, uh, no one's ever sat on it. So it's a, it's a, it could still be wild. It's probably not even trained yet. And then we're going to loose it and rob it from its owner. And then when they ask us what we're doing, all we're to say is the Lord hath need of him? They didn't understand what it all meant. But I want you to see 
that like their Lord, forward they went. Even though they didn't know what it all meant, even though they couldn't wrap their minds around it, even though it didn't make all that much sense to them, they just obeyed. And because they obeyed the word of God, their faith in God's word was number one, validated. Their faith in God's word was validated. It was confirmed. Notice verse 32. And they that were sent went their way. They don't argue. They don't ask why. uh, They don't enter into this debate with the Lord. They just went and found even as he had said unto them. And, And that is where so many Christians are missing out on the abundant life. God has given us commands to rejoice in the Lord always, to in everything give thanks, to pray without ceasing, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we don't always understand. We don't always know why. And so we choose to disobey and we miss out on our faith being validated. And we miss out on experiencing for ourselves that God's word is true and that it can be depended on. And when I obey God, He always comes through. And because we disobey, we miss out on our faith being validated and becoming real to us. And there are so many Christians, they've heard the word of the Lord Jesus. It's in their head. It's in their mind. But because they have not obeyed, it's not real to them. And this is the danger of young people growing up in church. You can hear all the word of the Lord Jesus, but if you do not go where he tells you to go, you are not going to know in your heart that it is even as he has said. And no one else can obey for you. No one else can validate your faith for you. You must make the choice. It reminds me in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul tells Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And until we just go, even when we don't know why, or even when we don't understand it all, until we just choose to obey God at all costs, our faith is never going to be validated and assured and have this certainty in our hearts that God's word is true until we obey. But because these men obeyed, their faith in God's word was validated. But notice also along the way that their faith was vetted. Their faith was tested. Did they really believe the Lord? Notice it says, verse 33, And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And I wonder how many of us at that moment, if we were in the position of the disciples, said, I can't go through with this. This is too embarrassing. This is too bizarre. This is too crazy. I wonder how many of us would have just hightailed out of there. I wonder if the disciples up to this point had had snuck in and were trying to quietly unloose the colt, hoping that they wouldn't be noticed. But then there's a conflict that Christ had warned them of. And now they're faced with a choice. Do we just believe and trust the Lord and obey his word and simply say, the Lord has need of him? Or do we take matters into our own hands? And how many of us would have tried to come up with some grandiose explanation? Or, Or maybe how many of us would have begun to offer money to borrow the colt? Or how many of us would have deviated from the clear commands of God because it didn't make sense to us? But you know what they did? When their faith was vetted, when it was tested, they did exactly what the Lord said. They look these people in the eye as they're stealing their cult. They're capturing it and they say, the Lord hath need of him. 
And notice verse 35, and they brought him to Jesus because they simply obeyed when they didn't know why. And because they, they did exactly what Christ said when their faith was tested, number three, their faith was victorious. Their faith was victorious. This simple statement, the Lord hath need of him, gave them the victory in this mission that Christ had sent them on. And that's a good reminder for us. Uh, the man in this story who's unnamed, who owns the colt, in Mark 11, verse 3, the Lord had told the disciples straightway, this man that I'm sending you to, he will send the colt hither. The Lord Jesus knew this man's heart, that it was already surrendered to him. And as soon as he heard, the Lord has need of my colt, it's already yours, Lord. And I wonder if God comes into our lives and asks for us to surrender something, is it already surrendered or is now there this internal struggle? The man here in this story, the Lord Jesus knew that as soon as he heard that the Lord had need of his colt, it was already gone. It, his hands were open. He was already willing to give whatever the Lord needed. Verse 35, they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colts and they set Jesus thereon. Christian, we've seen tonight that the, the Lord Jesus sets an example for us that he put all his trust in the word of God and onward he went, even when it didn't always make sense. And then he sent the disciples on a mission but they had to obey even when they didn't understand, even when it didn't feel right. And because they obeyed, their faith was validated and they were victorious. And so Christian, whatever it is in your life, God is calling you to obey him. Just simply obey. Even when you don't understand it all, even when it doesn't make sense, be like these disciples. Be like our Lord. Trust in the word of God that it is going to pass and that he will bless you for obeying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. And Lord, we pray that whatever areas in our lives you're calling us to obey, that we would not resist, that we would not argue. Lord, that we would not be so wise in our own eyes to, to tell you that your way isn't best or, or, or to argue. Lord, help us to just simply obey. And Lord, I thank you for the example of these men who when their faith was tested, they they did exactly as the Lord said, and you blessed them for it. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to do the same. Please bless this brief invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.